Hey there, happy middle of July. We've been off for a couple of weeks. As you know, we are on break from season three to season four. But as I promised you, I wanted to bring out a couple of old episodes that you either may have missed on the podcast or they were a part of one of my hormone summits. And not all of those, unless you purchase the hormone summit, you aren't able to access those old um, great episodes. I hate to say the word old because that means it's it seems like it's not useful and they're actually so so useful. Um, so I'm bringing you one of those today in honor of Fibroid Awareness Month, which July is that. And of course, you know me if you've been around and how important the issue of fibroids are. It's also my anniversary month in terms of my emergency surgery happened on July the 6th. Um, and that was two weeks after my fibroid surgery, the myomectomy went awry, but we didn't know until July 6th when I landed in the ER. And at that point I had sepsis and my, and my gut was full of the, um, actually, excuse me, my abdominal cavity was full of the stuff that's only supposed to be in your colon and your small intestine because of the burns that happened during that surgery. So, you know, July, when I think back to four years ago, which I can't even believe it was that long ago, I was pretty much in the hospital for the month of July, um, you know, in the ICU for a few days and then on the sort of regular trauma floor for a few days, excuse me, for a couple weeks. Um, and, you know, it's always interesting to go back and remember some of those moments um, and just obviously how life-changing that situation was. So it's very apropos in my world that July is Fibroid Awareness Month um, because it did change my life so much. Fibroids changed my life so much. So I'm bringing this um, previous interview that I did with in the 2021 Hormone Summit with Shante Bates. It's such a great episode because she is able to really talk to working with fibroids from a natural standpoint, from not going the surgical route, um, because she herself has gone the natural route and quite decreased the size of her fibroids and they were pretty big. So I love holding her up as an example of if you do the things that your body is calling you to do, you know, um, from better estrogen metabolism is a big one, lifestyle changes. You'll hear so much in this episode of what it takes. Um, it is a life overhaul. It's not an easy thing, but it is working not only on the fibroids, but all aspects of your health and is really setting you up for the rest of your life. So listen in on um, this episode, which we'll jump into in just a second. A um, couple quick things I wanted to just go over before jumping in because it is Fibroid Awareness Month. I am um, releasing a bunch of blog posts right now on my site about what fibroids are, um, what causes fibroids, pros and cons of different surgical interventions, natu natural approaches, um, spiritual approaches. So go check out my website if you haven't, christinegarvin.com, and you can read all about those. If you are ready to really work with your fibroids on that level of working with it naturally, especially after you listen to all of this, I do have a course called Fibroids, uh, fibroids 101. And it covers everything I just mentioned and a whole lot more. It is a video to kind of break down all the studies and, you know, information that you need to know about fibroids, um, along with a workbook to really guide you on what you should do. And in honor of uh, Fibroid Awareness Month, I am uh, offering a 20% discount on that with code BYFIBROIDS. BYE fibroids at checkout, just head to christinegarvin.com. You'll see the link there to um, purchase that program. Also, I do have another blog post up that is um, got really popular really fast. So I'm taking it that a lot of people need this information. And it is called 10 ways to get 30 grams of protein for breakfast. And you know, this is such a big thing with my clients. I'm always trying to guide them to get more protein in their day. Women need a protein. We need it for blood sugar regulation, for hormone production, for tissue repair. I could go on and on and on. And majority of women 
that come to me at least in the beginning are literally getting 30 to 50 grams of protein a day. And I want you to be getting 30 grams of protein starting at breakfast, um, you know, shooting to get at least 80 grams a day. So great place to start, obviously, is breakfast. That 30 is going to get you on the right track for the day. So I've offered 10 easy ways to get 30 grams of protein at breakfast. All of these, um, for the most part, take five to 10 minutes to make. So no excuses on time. Um, I try and keep it, you know, keep it as easy as possible. They're all gluten-free. They can all be done dairy-free. Um, just easy, fun, you know, get yourself out the door and get your kids fed, etc., um, and be on your way to feeling good for the day. Finally, I am doing a giveaway basket of supplements and menstrual supplies and discounts to kick off season four, which is going to start the week of August 15th. We'll actually be releasing um, episodes on Tuesdays this season, so it'll be August 16th, but the giveaway, the um, winner will be announced on August 15th, so you have until then to enter and the way that you enter is to just leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, screenshot it, and email it to me so that I know how to reach out to you if you are the winner. So email it to me at christinegarvin at christinegarvin.com. So that's it. We are just like so excited about the new season. We want, you know, more and more people to hear this podcast and reviews are the biggest and best way to make that happen. So if you have just an extra minute or two to leave a review, you know, even just a five stars, it's so, so, so helpful. And to encourage you, we are doing this giveaway, um, for the new season. So I hope that you are able to do that. I hope that you can win the good stuff that I will be giving away. There'll be more in the next couple weeks going into specifics about that. So stay tuned. All right. Now let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode from the 2021 hormone summit with Shante Bates. Hope you enjoy it. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Today's guest, I actually asked her to come on because as any of you that have listened to my podcast know, I have a pretty traumatic history with fibroids, and I think it's such an important topic to talk about because a so many women don't even know about fibroids until they find out that they have one and a lot of times they don't find out that they have one until it's like they're big you know and it can be kind of too late in the game to to do something else other than the surgery and so it's definitely you know my mission to get the word out about fibroids to women um, so you understand what's going on and it's also this woman's mission who I have here today her name is Shante Bates and she is a womb wellness blogger and fibroid survivor she uses her blog to spread awareness about uterine fibroids and share her journey of healing from the physical and emotional impact that women offer and face when dealing with this diagnosis. Shante hopes to educate and inspire women to reclaim their bodies. You can find her at www.shanteofmuse.com. Welcome. Hi. So <laughs> glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here. So let's start off with your fibroid story, because I think that's okay. so important for people to, you know, even understand what the process is like when you find out you have fibroids. Yeah, so I actually didn't find out I had fibroids until I was, I found out I was pregnant, which is crazy because I was surprised to even be pregnant. But <laughs> <laughs> you're like, look, I have two things that I didn't know were happening in my body. <laughs> so um, when I found out I was pregnant, I also, the doctor did the ultrasound and she was like, um, did we, did you know that you have? fibroids and I'm like no okay yeah like yeah did you have any pain or anything before so I had actually been having very painful periods yeah. like a few months 
before I found out I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. What's even crazier is I had been trying to go to the doctor. I had been making appointments, but then stuff would come up, you know, like typical (laughs) women stuff. We kind of put our our stuff that we actually need to be dealing with, with ourselves aside, because life is happening. So I had made like three doctor's appointments and ended up canceling or rescheduling them, you know, until Mm -hmm. I finally got to this point, to this appointment, but I was pregnant at this point. And now I'm also finding out that I have fibroids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the doctor was just, she was kind of nonchalant about it. Um, so I really didn't know if I should even be alarmed or, you know, and she was, and she was really, and I don't know if she was just trying not to like scare me or if she really didn't think it was that big of a deal. I feel like a lot of times they don't. Okay. I still, to this day, I'm like, did she just not think it was that big of a deal? I, but yeah, anyways, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she said the large one was at that time was about nine or 10 centimeters. Wow. So it was, it was actually pretty big. Yeah. That for people she that has, can't conceptualize that, that's like larger than a grapefruit. Right. Yeah. That's what she said. She said it's about the size of a grapefruit. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm still, because at that time, I have no idea. Most of us don't know how big your uterus is actually. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and there were lots of them, but that was just like the largest one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, you know, and she's like, well, I'm just going to send you to a specialist, um, like a high risk specialist mm. and have her look at it and see if you know, there's anything that we need to do going forward. Mm -hmm. And so actually throughout my pregnancy, I would go see, you know, my regular OB and the high risk OB throughout the entire time, but it was fairly uneventful. Like I didn't have any issues. And I think that that's mainly because of where exactly my fibroids were yeah um one was like on the back of my uterus the largest one that one was on the back of my uterus Mm -hmm. um I had two other ones and they were like two and four centimeters at the time and they were a lot smaller Mm -hmm. so and you know according to the specialist that I was saying there were actually lots and lots of them um but great (laughs) (laughs) Right. But those were like tiny. Yeah. And so I didn't really have any issues um, during pregnancy. Now, labor and delivery was a whole nother story. Like that's a whole different podcast. (laughs) Can you tell us just a little bit about what that experience was like? So um, actually things were seemed to be going pretty smoothly. Honestly, I just think that I had too much medical intervention Mm. and I went from having a labor that seemed to be progressing pretty rapidly Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden stalling out, but Mm. it didn't start stalling out until I started having, you know, till I got the uh, epidural to like, then all of a sudden things really slowed down, which I ended up having a C-section, which was a whole nother Thing because I wasn't numb all the way oh no yeah uh, so yeah it was it was a really harrowing like, experience yeah especially given that I did have such an uneventful pregnancy and you know right. my doctor was even confident that I'd be able to deliver vaginally and so it was just kind of shocking to yeah. to have that experience after everything literally going like textbook right right you know yeah so yeah it was I'm so sorry yeah yeah I watched a friend go through that and it's just it's it's crazy yeah it definitely um it definitely after the fact you know it's funny now because at the time I was like I don't I didn't experience postpartum depression but actually now I realize that I did. It just mm-hmm. kind of looked a little bit different than, mm-hmm. you know, what we typically think of postpartum depression to be right, like. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an important point. We've talked a little bit about that, you know, on the podcast that 
um, postpartum depression. I mean, it hits so many women and we live in a society that doesn't have a lot of support of women post giving birth. Right. So how can you not have some semblance when you're like not sleeping, you're doing it all on your own, or if you're lucky, you have a, you know, partner that's really helpful, but even then it's still, it's just so much on our bodies and we're so depleted, you know, after giving birth. Even having the fibroids, so that w- that added another layer to mm-hmm. my postpartum recovery. Mm, because yeah. I bled for, I think I bled for like six months. Like six I months straight? Yeah, like it would stop for a couple days and then start back up again. That's so scary. Like I, I definitely bled for about three months straight, like nonstop. And then it would like stop for a couple of days and I'm like, okay, finally. Yeah. And then it would start back up again. So I bled like a lot postpartum, which of so course you were probably totally anemic. Yeah. yeah. And just, t- and I was breastfeeding and I was mm. breastfeeding a monster. Cause he like, <laughs> he's like, give it to me all the time. All the time. <laughs> And it's so funny because he wasn't that huge, but he would just like eat all the time. He was hungry. (laughs) So, you know, between the breastfeeding, which is in itself exhausting. Yeah. And then, you know, me bleeding all the time. Yeah. And just in general, and life just trying to adjust to having a, a new child in the household you know, trying to manage work because yeah. I did go back to work for a little while. And it was, it was just a lot even. And, you know, I, people say that like, you know, you have the postpartum hair loss and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I believe like a lot of that for me was just because I was bleeding. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like when I'm you're like, anemic like that, yeah, nothing is going to work right. <laughs> even during, and I did experience, um, anemia, when I was pregnant too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I had to keep like up in my iron the whole time. Yeah. Like I could not get it up I until know. like the end. Yeah. And I was at that point I was taking like double or triple what I what people yeah. normally take. So yeah. it was, you know, just going through that, it was it was very stressful on my body. Yeah. So for me, postpartum looked like not remembering things. Like yeah. I couldn't I could not remember like what I did from one day to the next. Yep. I was just like in a fog. Fog, yeah, that brain floating fog. around mm-hmm. like, you know. Mm-hmm. And I felt and it's weird because if you had asked me at the time, I'd be like, oh, it was fine. Like I was happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I was to some degree, but I think that, you know, physically and emotionally dealing with the very traumatic birth, it just the combination, like I had, my body had to give somewhere. And Absolutely. for me, that was like my memory yeah. and being able to think clearly every day. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I see this again and again with women. Um, and I've been through it myself, you know, what post-surgery when I didn't know that something was wrong, but I thought it was just like, you know, healing from surgery. It's like, we kind of, we push through right? We're like, we're fine. We, you know, we're just like, you know, just keep moving on. I mean, that's just so ingrained in women, you know, we, we have to be strong, especially like if you have a brand new life that you have to take care of. Right. So you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's like burning around you. you know. like, it's all good. It's fine. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then looking back, of course, you're like, oh, things were not good. Yeah. yeah. Like, did, why was I doing all that? Yeah. <laughs> did a doctor ever recommend like getting iron infusions or anything for you? Um, no. So, you know, we upped my supplementation mm-hmm. just enough and I had okay. to like play around with supplements. Right. Because it can I, be constipating, super constipating. Yes. Yeah. And, and half of them for me, like just didn't even do anything. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of them work. don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I finally found one. I still use it to this day. The garden of life one mm-hmm. is that's my go-to 
it, it's like the only one that I've been, they actually, I think another company called Fiosol, like those are the mm-hmm. only two that have actually worked for me. Well, I think and Garden so of I, Life has, is food-based, right? So mm-hmm. probably your body absorbs, yeah. it's more bioavailable. And it, it has like a probiotic in it and mm-hmm. I see in it too, mm-hmm. which is probably why. I respond a lot better to that one than kind of like the cheap ones. Because yeah. at first my doctor was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just any, you know, just a cheap one from the store. And yeah. Yeah. that did not work. Yeah. At all. And they, <laughs> they were don't like, know. drink orange <laughs> juice with it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not working. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't. I'm know. still <laughs> exhausted. This is yeah. not working. Yeah. Yeah. So after about six months, did you start to feel better then? So I did. What ended up happening was when I went to, so I went to my postpartum appointment and I'm telling my doctor like, Hey, I'm still bleeding a Mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. She's like, Oh, you know, it's probably because of the fibroids, you know, just wait a little bit. And I'm like, that's crazy to me that they're not (laughs) freaked out about you bleeding for that long. Right. And so that's, and so then it kind of became this thing of like, am I crazy? Like, am I the one that's crazy? Because I seem to be the only one that's concerned that something is not right here. And so a couple months, like, so I'm like, you know what? I'm done with that doctor. Also, because the conversation that we also had too was, well, the only way that you'll be able to really deal with the fibroids is surgery. And so again, I just came off of a surgery that went pretty terribly. Right. So I'm like, that's not even an option for me. Yeah. Yep. You know, that's mm-hmm. the fur that like, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and she was just very adamant that that was the only way. And I'm yep. like, oh, okay. Yeah, but I didn't. I never came. Back. Yeah, yeah, you're like that sounds great. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So then I saw another doctor, and you know her response wasn't that much different. And at this point, I'm still bleeding because this yeah. is like months later, and I'm telling this other doctor like, "Hey, I'm still bleeding," mm-hmm. you know. And it's been at that point. I think it had been around five or six months. So I'm like, I'm still bleeding. Yeah. You're like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Like, what's going on? Pretty regularly. And she was just kind of like, well, we could put you on, um, what is it, progestin? Like the progesterone or progestin pill. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay. But at that point, I had started doing a little bit of research because I'm like, I got to do something about this situation. And I kind of knew enough to know that birth control probably wouldn't actually help me. And and I told her, I'm like, well, you know, I don't think that I want to be on birth control because won't that just kind of make my issues worse or just cover them up? Right. And she was like, no, no, lots of women, you know, go on birth. And I'm like, okay. It was just, again, one of those moments where I'm like, okay. And then like, what kind of put the nail in the coffin for me was that she handed me like a pamphlet from like the 70s it looked like it <laughs> and it was like about it probably was uh-huh. it wasn't even about like fibroid it had like two sentences about fibroids and I'm like you're like these are very different things thanks for playing <laughs> right? I'm yeah like okay thanks yeah So at that point, I'm like, and I was like, I was kind of feeling dejected after that appointment because I'm like, okay, nobody clearly can help me, you know, but I know I can't have another surgery. Like that's not an option for me. And so I ended up doing some research and somehow stumbled upon acupuncture. Mm. And so that was like the gateway, like acupuncture was my gateway not, I was going to say gateway drug, right. but it like, it's a good gateway drug, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like the door to, to, I guess like a different life, right? It was a, an open door to something that I didn't know that I needed mm-hmm. because I looked up on a really great acupuncturist who I think she was like 60 something years old and she had been practicing acupuncture like all her life mm-hmm. pretty much like her whole life she had been p- practicing and you know she was able to 
talk to me a lot about my body. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, you know, you have fibroids. Like, yeah, duh. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. right. Like, like, where did they come from? How do I deal with right. them? Yeah, yeah. It was more so, oh, you have stagnation in your liver. So that's something that you need to be mindful of and be dealing with. You know, she even talked to me about my emotional will, mm-hmm. which at the time, you know, I'm like, this lady is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does one thing have to do with the other? Right, right. But, but it actually. You're like, it has everything to do with each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just having her have those conversations with me, you know, made me do more research into what she was saying yeah and again open the door Mm -hmm. and I started using Pinterest a lot too Mm -hmm. so Pinterest is like a crazy place for (laughs) I mean like there's a lot of you know crazy stuff that you can get into yeah for sure some rabbit holes (laughs) yeah but I actually learned about like seed cycling Mm -hmm. that was one of that was probably the second thing that I tried is Mm -hmm. I started seed cycling Mm -hmm. and that like shockingly worked because again I'm skeptical I didn't actually think it would work but I'm like "Hmm." You know, I mean, all I'm doing is buying some seeds. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So bought the seeds, started seed cycling immediately. Like Mm -hmm. I noticed that my mood was more stable Mm. and that I wasn't as bloated. And I didn't realize how, how, how much my, or how unstable my mood was until I started seed cycling. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, have you asked me, you know, yeah. I'd be like, I'm, you know, yeah. I don't have a lot of mood swings yeah. or, but. And your I friends was, are like, mm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. But yeah. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I, th- I think that's so many Americans, honestly, they don't know how bad they feel until they start, they do something and actually start feeling better. And then you're like, oh, this is what it's like when my brain works or, oh, this right. is what it's like when I actually have energy. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Like it just, it, like you said, I didn't realize how, because if you had asked me back then, you know, before I had my son, I was calorie counting. I was working out once, maybe even twice a day, a lot of times. And by the way, even with doing that, like I was still struggling to like lose weight. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Because you didn't have the nutrients in your body. Right. And I kind of believe that because I was calorie counting, so I wasn't eating a lot of carbs. Mm -hmm. I wasn't eating dairy anymore because those are like the highest calorie things when you're calorie counting. I had kind of cut that out. I actually, I'm not even sure that I would have been able to conceive Yeah, had I not done that. You know, of course, I probably did some other bad things to my body, right. you know, right. doing all that. But I think that by giving my body a break from some of those things that were probably causing inflammation, I gave myself a chance, you know, mm-hmm. gave my reproductive system a chance to start working again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe even why I started experiencing symptoms a lot more heavily before I found out I was pregnant too. Right. Because my body was going through this shift. Right. So it's just, it's really interesting looking back now, but like you said, I was like tired all the time. So I I've never been a coffee drinker, but I drink like green tea at my desk throughout the day, mm-hmm. like all day. Mm-hmm. And then I go to happy hour with my friends <laughs> yeah. and drink enough to be able to go to sleep, to sleep. at yep. night. <laughs> 100%. And then get up early and work out mm-hmm. and then work out again after I left work. Wow. And it, it was just, you know, and had you asked me, like, how is your health? I'd be like, it's great. You You're know? like, I'm super healthy. Right. I work out I work all the time. Out all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. I don't eat, you know, I don't overeat. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I want to put, put a point on this because I think this is so important for women to hear because we are, especially, you know, in the Instagram world and all that, there's so much coming at us, like to work out all the time, to calorie count, to do all these things to help our health. And it's actually working against us in a lot of cases. And it is particularly pushing, you know, um, our adrenals. 
And when we have this high cortisol issue going on, which is just so common with the, you know, the amount of stress and, and everything that we're doing that impacts fibroid growth too, you know, because, because I mean, stress, I think is maybe the number one thing <laughs> that causes fibroids, you know, I mean, li- liver health is so important all of those things too. But like, if you don't get rid of the sort of stress that's happening on your body, it's just, I feel like it's a feeding ground for fibroids. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like I I feel and now it's so crazy because I'm like, why was I doing all that? Because now I don't have to really struggle. Like I feel like I was actually struggling with my weight back then yeah. compared to now. Yeah. And I eat more now. Yeah. Like yeah. Yep. I I eat all the time now. I yeah. eat fat. I yeah. eat all the stuff yeah. that they told us we are supposed to eat. Yeah. You know? And it's like, cause your body's being nourished now. So it can like, <laughs> it's not going to have the extra weight because you're getting the nourishment that you need. Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's been a very big shift for me. Yeah. And even so all my life, I thought that having painful periods, because I've actually had painful periods most of my life Mm -hmm. and so I thought that that was like normal and that was just the and if you look at it the way we speak about periods is very negative you know oh yeah exactly oh god I'm about to start my period um are you you're being bitchy are you on your period you know like the language that we use around periods is so negative so negative I really thought you know for my whole experience of my period has been negative, you know, with the exception of the last couple of years. And so I really thought that like, okay, that's just normal. Like having really bad cramps, that's just, everybody has bad cramps. We just have to, again, like power through, take our ibuprofen, you know, maybe, maybe like I used to vomit off of my cramps. So I totally get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just I thought that that was just like a part of life until mm-hmm. I started having periods that started to get lighter. Yeah. And now I'm not having cramps all the time. Yeah. And that, like now if I have cramps, it's like shocking to me. Yeah. Because I'm not used to that anymore. And then I'm like, OK, what what was going on? Right. Over the last couple of weeks. And norm, for me, I noticed that it's stress induced. Like anytime yep. I have like a stressful couple of weeks, my period is more painful. You know? But mm-hmm. to know, like to now have that correlation, like, okay, I had a lot of stress. This period might be a little bit rough. Yeah. But it's not that my body is just against me because we we almost kind of start to feel like our bodies are against us. Yes. You know, and Mm -hmm. so coming from that shift from like my body is something that I need to, I guess, tame and control because it's against me to making the shift to actually my body wants to work with me. I just have to give it what it needs. Yes. A hundred percent. Able to work with me. Like that's been a very big shift for me. And I love that because it's at the core to me of the societal shifts that need to happen, right? Because we've been in this sort of patriarchal place around our bodies of, yeah, like we need to control, we need to like beat it into submission, you know, or we need to um, use, you know, external hormones in order to like regulate and it doesn't regulate, you know? Regulate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Big regulate. Around huge, regulate. Yeah, huge quotes for anybody that's listening to this and not watching the video. We had our big quotes <laughs> up, but you know, because most people don't realize that that actually shuts down your own hormone production. And so it's not regulating your own hormones. It's actually shutting down your own hormones and bringing in, you know, these extra hormones. And so you're going to have to pay the piper at some point, you know? And, and so this beautiful shift that I see happening with women that are starting to understand their bodies, you know, and same thing with me, like it took me a long time to get to that place of really um, you know, not being annoyed by my period or like, you know, frustrated or just being like, well, I'm down for the count at that time of month, you know, um, to like how cool our menstrual cycle is, right? Like when you really dive in, you're like, oh my God, this thing is incredible. And if you really tap in, you know, it can support you with, 
you know, certain strengths at certain times of the month and then other strengths at other times of the month. Absolutely. I'm a big like proponent of cyclical living and saying that like for me, when my period starts, everybody around me is clear that <laughs> this is my time to rest. Yeah, yeah. Even my son, he's five. He didn't I was going to no ask, clue. he's five. He has no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, listen, mama needs rest right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's kind of just, for me, just a time of giving myself that permission because I'm naturally a more... Um, you know, like productive person, like I want to always be doing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's an opportunity to kind of sit in being instead of doing. Yeah. And, and just let some things go sometimes. Yeah. Like say it's, it's okay for me to clear my calendar for that one week Yeah, or even not clear because I know that's not feasible for everybody all the time, Right. but just try to keep things as minimal as possible during that week, Mm -hmm. just so that I can focus on how I'm feeling and Mm -hmm. why I'm feeling the way that Mm -hmm. I am. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times we, I really like one of my like biggest pet peeves is that you know how when you are approaching your period and people make comments like, oh, you must be about to start your period because again, because you're being, you know, difficult mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, actually, I mean, this is how I actually yeah. feel. Yeah, this is my I truth. Don't have the tolerance to mm-hmm. deal with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I would have during follicular phase or ovulation. Yeah, I don't have the tolerance now. But this is actually how I feel, and I feel like even those statements they kind of like gaslight us totally. into thinking that whatever we're feeling is inappropriate or not accurate or like. Yep. It's just not true. But I believe that like really acknowledging like a cyclical lifestyle or really just even just like even if you can't or, you know, don't feel like you're able to say, okay, well, I'm going to try to live my life around my cycle. Mm -hmm. Even by you just acknowledging that I'm different Mm -hmm. during these phases, you know. I don't really want to go out with people during menstrual phase. But I'm all for Listen, I'm ready to party all through follicular and ovulation. Yeah. All you know, up yeah. up until right before I'm I'm can get very social. But just acknowledging yeah. that I'm not the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. every month is or it, from week to week is I think very important for women to understand. Yeah. So that we don't feel crazy all the time. Absolutely. You know, we don't feel like we're just it because like you said, I think it's kind of like that patriarchal mentality is that men, you know, you're not dealing with all the stuff that we're dealing with that's going on in our bodies so that we can create life so that we can create other things. You know, we like we are, we're creators. So Mm -hmm. we, we have a little bit more that we have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're not like men. We don't, and we don't have to be, I think just acknowledging that we don't have to be like men is one of the most important things that we can do for ourselves and our health. Absolutely. And seeing the beauty in it, you know, like actually seeing it as a, is a good thing. And speaking to your point about that, you know, the PMS time or that week before your period, I remember reading years ago, um, Christiane Northrup's uh, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom was the first time that I had seen somebody, you know, basically say what you're saying, that, you know, our truth is actually coming out, like our real truth is coming out during that time, unfiltered, And there's so much that we can learn from that because we even hide stuff from ourselves, right? Like we hide our emotions and our feelings from ourselves to like get through whatever with our, you know, family and with our partners, with our work. And so really tuning into what your emotions look like in that week before can just be, um, you know, so, so helpful in terms of like understanding what you really do need to deal with and what things you need to process and, and, you know, and be able to speak your truth, you know, cause that's, that's super important too, for our health, you know, or for our thyroid health, it's such a big deal for our reproductive health, all of that. Right. Yeah. So what are your fibroids looking like these days? 
So that large one mm-hmm. that I had, mm-hmm. it's a little bit smaller now. Nice. It's around six. Wow. Well, actually, actually, I think it's it was like 5.4 the last that's time. That's amazing I, from nine so, or 10 yes, down to that. that. That's like my biggest giant, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's huge so, to shrink it that much, though. Yeah. 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 I, and it's, ta- I feel like it's taken so long, but I guess it actually hasn't. But it yeah. feels, it feels like, like a long it. Yeah. Time for me. Right. Well, I, and I think I want to make that point to people too, because I think a lot of times, like, I'll work with clients and, you know, we're working on shrinking their fibroids. And like the reality is, like, it's not going to happen in six months. Like, it's maybe not going to happen in a year. Like, you need to give it that time and that consistency. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, I still have the two smaller ones. They're like two and three centimeters. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So one of them is just like a little bit smaller than mm-hmm. before. Yeah. And so I'm, for me, I've also kind of learned to shift a little bit because I was so focused on, I need to get these fibroids smaller. I need to get these fibroids smaller, mm-hmm. but really some of, I think the biggest like my biggest accomplishments have really just been in the process and the journey itself Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. having going from having a period where I would bleed for six or seven days like heavily yeah you know to now I might bleed heavily for like two days maybe three days and then spot the rest of the week Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. that is a big it's amazing Yeah, that is a big accomplishment for me. And again, not having those super painful periods anymore Um, and barely even, you know, I used to always know when my period was coming, it, it, it announced itself before it got here. Yeah. Yeah. And now I, it actually sneaks up on me sometimes. I love it. Right. (laughs) You know, because I'm not having all those symptoms beforehand, like I previously right like I would get cramps before my period even started wow like they would just start and I know okay it's coming yeah and you know feel all the dread but now I'm like oh my period's coming now I can like clear off my calendar a little bit I can tell my husband that I'm gonna lay in bed all day today yeah you know because I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that but you know, now it's just a totally different experience because I'm like, this is my time to feel whatever I feel. Yeah. You know, be honest with myself. Cause like you said, we, we are, we're dealing with stuff sometimes that mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have the time or the capacity, or maybe, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but I experience very, um, like high Mm-hmm. follicular phases like mm. I'm super anxious I want to do every single thing mm. and sometimes that just doesn't leave me with the room that I need to think about how I'm feeling or mm-hmm. to even address some of my emotions yeah. and yeah. so really being intentional about addressing those things during menstrual phase like making it like okay this is my time yeah. because I'm already not in the mood yep. <laughs> to do anything anyway yeah so I might as well at least deal with my mental health during that. yeah I love that I love all the things that you've really brought up today that I think a lot of times women are looking for like you know that one answer um and that like just tell me like yeah. what to take which supplement to take I and, know. and everything that you're saying is like that's the crux of it right that's the meat of it of what has mm-hmm. to shift in order for us to to regain this balance in our body. Um, mm-hmm. I know people would be upset with me if I didn't ask though. So you mentioned seed cycling as a big thing. You mentioned acupuncture mm-hmm. and then obviously all the sort of following your cycle. Are there any other things that you feel like were really important in your process of dealing with the fibroids? Yeah. So for me, a big thing is avoiding gluten, dairy, and soy, um, or I should say more so process, I should say processed soy, because mm-hmm. soy is just one of those controversies. I'm in the things. same boat. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, very one of those, it's just one of those controversial things, yeah. keeping the sugar, the 
you know, refined sugar to a minimum. I know a lot of people are like weird about eating fruit. Like I didn't really realize how much of a thing that was until I started like talking about health and people were like, but fruit has sugar. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's okay. To eat <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, but, it's, you know, it's a natural me, food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fruit mm-hmm. is a big part of my diet. Mm-hmm. And, but I do try to keep it to mornings. I like to have a fruit first morning. Mm-hmm. So that's like a smoothie or juice or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, because I'm not mixing um, like fats and all that stuff, I'm going to be hungry again in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do love fruit. There, so, there have been studies that have shown that wild blueberries um, can help inhibit fr- fibroid growth. So eat all the blueberries that you can Mm -hmm. find. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are really my big things. It's just avoiding the soy, dairy, and gluten Mm -hmm. and the refined sugars. Mm -hmm. Um, Also movement. So, but very strategic movement. Mm -hmm. Um, Because again, I used to be one of those people who did cardio every single day, day. maybe twice a day. Yeah. And so I've had to learn that even if I'm like, like this morning, I just went for a walk, you know, cause I'm a couple days um, before menstrual phase. So <laughs> me too. I just went for a walk because I'm like, I don't want to pound it out today. Yep. That's not, it's just going to exhaust you, yep. but just learning to like, focus on what feels good to my body now instead of having that focus on because my focus used to be I need to burn at least 250 calories in this Mm -hmm. work and Mm -hmm. now it's more so I just need to get moving keep Mm -hmm. my circulation flowing yep Yep. you know and Mm -hmm. and honestly the weight thing has kind of become a non-factor for me because it happens it just happens if you take care of your body it just happens yeah so that's been a big thing is not um, doing so much intense workouts all the time. You know, I do when I feel like it, if mm-hmm. I because sometimes I just have that high energy and I need to get some of it out, mm-hmm. but really focusing on just moving in a way that gives my body exactly what it needs that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Love it. Those are all really, really good recommendations and for, you know, I think a lot of what you speak to is, you know, tuning into your body, right. And how does your body feel? And so not necessarily following somebody else's prescription and, and yeah, really following your own cycle. Exactly. And that's a big thing. Um, and it's hard because like you said, even I get in the DMS all the time and people want me to tell them all the supplement. So one thing that I will not do if you DM me is tell you every single supplement that I'm using simply because first of all, I'm not a doctor, right? (laughs) But second of all, you know, what I do for my body is based on, it's uniquely based on me. Yep. Now I can make suggestions, mm-hmm. you know, after I get to know someone, I can say, well, hey, actually I do this mm-hmm. and it works pretty well, mm-hmm. you know, but everybody is different. And yep. so what works for me may not be, you know, a 100% thing that works for you. I could, you know, I might take an iron supplement that doesn't work for you. Right. You know, I yep. might take some herbs that don't work for you or that you have a condition that I know nothing about. And yep. now you're taking this herb that you shouldn't be taking. Yep. So I think it's very important. I'm very like leery of people like selling all these herbs and stuff yep. and not actually doing consultations with people, and not understanding what they're recommending to people. And not saying, hey, there are side effects here if you do this. Because even some of the stuff that I take, if you have certain conditions, you know, there can be very serious side effects. So Mm -hmm. I think that the big thing that I want people to understand or I want women to really get is that it's important to know your body and get to know what's going on with you. Because you might be eating pretty well, but you might have a very stressful life. Yeah. 
you know, and you might be another big thing for me that I'm talking a lot more about now is um, environmental toxins. Oh, yes. And we, so, and we've know, got, a, we've got like, talks about that on the, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got a good, um, interview about that on the summit actually too. Yes. So go, go listen to that. So, everybody. You know, of course you can't avoid any and every, I mean, you can't avoid every single toxin right. in the world, but there are some things that you can do that can, you know, have a big impact on you over time and on, yeah. on your body over time. So it's just being able to kind of address every part of your life, take a step back and look at it like, okay, you know, am I, what do my relationships look like? Mm-hmm. What does my diet look like? Am I moving regularly? You know, am I hydrated? Am I, and sometimes it's like some of the simplest things that can have the Absolutely. impact on our life. Those foundations are key. Yeah. And so for me, that's, that's really my goal is to, is to show women that, Hey, like it doesn't have to be like this whole big, you know, for me, this has been over time. So sometimes like even to my friends, some of the stuff that I do seems or feels extreme, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, this is like evolved. Yeah. over time absolutely and so I personally like I'm not really selling a you know lifestyle program because for me it's evolved over time even what I was doing last year around this time is different than what I'm doing now because I'm in a different place yeah with my health I'm in a different place emotionally so I might not even be practicing some of the stuff that I was practicing last year yeah you know yeah yeah Absolutely. That's so important too, because yeah, I think a lot of times we want that prescription that is just, we're just going to stay on it and it's just going to work. And the reality is we're ever evolving, you know, and we're going to have different needs at different times. So this was such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Christine. I love it. So um, tell people where they can contact you. So you can always, of course, contact me on Instagram. I'm very active there Mm -hmm. um, at Shantae of Muse. That's C-H-U-N-T-E-O-F-M-U-S-E. Or on my blog, ShantaeofMuse.com. And there I kind of share what's going on with me, you know, what I'm doing in my life. And also just some tips that I feel like work really well for most people. Yeah, it's a great blog. I highly recommend everybody checks it out. Yes. All right, you guys, thanks for being here with us again today. And I will see you soon.